So guys, we had um, our Once Upon a Time in Hollywood podcast last week. Uh, it went really well. Um, Jeremy, you still need to promote it so we get more downloads, but it's, our, I think, it's, a really it's good It's doing one. amazing. Yes. Well, um, thousands. We need Jeremy's network to get. Tarantino himself said, best podcast yeah, of the year. Best podcast of the year. So, but we did get a, a really long and interesting email from a fan. Um, and so we thought we'd address it because it's, it's pretty well thought out and I think asked some interesting questions and it's kind of a two-parter. Um, but basically he's uh, talking about – the first question is about the scene with um, between uh, Booth and Bruce Lee, which we all actually kind of disagreed about. Jeremy, you thought it was a fantasy and uh, Lee and I thought it was a straight flashback. Uh, and But there is some controversy around – um, I don't know. What is it, guys? Help me out here. It's it's sort of the way Bruce Lee is represented, right? Both in the fact that he is the only sort of non-white char- speaking character, really, um, and he is sort of uncharacteristically unknown. As, as we understand um, Bruce Lee to be, he wasn't like this or reportedly wasn't like this. He Right, he, and also the fact that he, he kind of lost the fight right. to he, the, yeah, the only white guy and I mean, not the only white guy, but to a white guy that was right. a stunt man, right? Um, and 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 that he wouldn't, he wouldn't, uh, Bruce Lee in, in real life wouldn't engage in this kind of stuff. And so, um, I think the question after uh, that, uh, a pretty long su- a summary from our emailer, what it comes to, why do you think Tarantino chose the way to show Pip's character skills, and why do you feel he portrayed the only non-white character in the film that way? Quentin Tarantino has drawn controversy, of course, throughout his career with claims of racism, his character's use of the N-word in Pulp Fiction being a na- major one. So what do you guys think about that? And there's also sort of, I think, and as a as sort of a slightly different question, the sort of memory of um, Bruce Lee and the way his family has reacted to this scene. People, there's been, it, our, our listener fan here isn't the only person who's reacted this way to, the, to this. I think there's been a growing controversy around it, but I wanted to know what you guys thought. Um, I think there's kind of two, I have two responses to this. I feel like, first off, Tarantino rewriting history is not an issue I have. Um, and we'll go into that with more detail about sort of how he's done that in his past movies. But that that part of it, I, I had no problem with. I mean, he obviously took something that Bruce Lee had, I guess, indicated in his life. And this is just kind of coming from that email about, you know, um, being able to, to beat up Muhammad Ali, although there was obviously some sort of comparison there, and he obviously never said that, but there had been comparisons in his life. Um, and the fact that other people had challenged him to fights on sets or stuntmen and stuff like that, that, that was obviously taking history and, and uh, rewriting it, which we're so used to with Tarantino now. I, I never had any... I didn't have a problem with that part of it but i did definitely feel like his bruce lee's portrayal as sort of the the loud mouth and almost obnoxious in a way was it did there definitely i don't want to say though it was racist but it fell off right like there was mm. something about it that felt disingenuous and then like to go back to my point that i had mentioned on the uh podcast it would almost have been better had it been really a fantasy in, in Brad Pitt's head because he's fantasizing about beating beating up one of the, the great 
fighters of all time, which would would have sort of justified that whole thing a little bit more. But as you guys have schooled me and as has Lee's showed me articles on, I was incorrect <laughs> about my interpretation of it being a fantasy. So that makes it that also makes it feel a little bit ickier in a way. Hmm. Yeah, and I agree, Jeremy. I think I think you said it well just in terms of this being a bit of a microcosm of what he does in this movie and a couple other movies of changing history. I mean, he's taking the character of Bruce Lee and changing who he is. I mean, I just think that that's a creative freedom that he is allowed to have. I, I, while it has less to do with movies, I think um, Tarantino's relationship with you know, people who aren't white in his movies is uh, a a more interesting discussion. Um, I don't know if you guys have listened to our old Django podcast uh, at any point recently. It was uh, the two of you and Tyson. And you spent just about the entire podcast talking about the controversy surrounding that movie. And I I would say that that may be outside of the one scene that the emailer references in Pulp Fiction where he plays Jimmy, uh, that's where I think people started to really raise this question about Tarantino's alleged racism. Well, do you remember that when Jackie Brown came out, um, there was like Spike Lee came out very publicly. When I was 10, I do remember, yeah. Well, you weren't 10, you were like 13. Oh, okay, Okay, you're right. I did remember then. (laughs) But before we go into the racism, can I just bring up one thing about this rewriting of history or a couple things? Like usually he's when he does this rewriting of history, it's 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 usually not as disparaging to to characters or people that there's no reason to be disparaging about. Like if he wants to rewrite history where uh, some Jewish people kill Hitler, like nobody's going to second guess that because it's, you know, it's disparaging the Nazis. But here you got uh, somebody who people hold in high regard in Bruce Lee and then for seemingly no reason is portraying him in a sort of disparaging or or offbeat way, which which definitely felt well, peculiar. So I, I don't agree with that part. I mean, I what you're saying makes sense. Like, I and I thought the same thing that like this doesn't really have the same kind of impact on the story as killing Hitler does. It seems like a little bit of a, a secondary piece. But one, I I thought the character of Bruce Lee in this movie was was a funny character and whether or not it was a relatively surface level type of comedy is another conversation. But what I think is interesting here, and again, we know that the whole purpose of this scene was to show how tough Cliff Booth is that he can beat up Bruce Lee, who supposedly was challenged by stuntmen for his entire career and never, and never lost. Uh, While we're going to get into the conversation on whether or not Tarantino holds, you know, black people or Asian people in high regard. He does hold stuntmen in very high regard. Yeah. We know this <laughs> um, from Death Proof, from this movie. So, look, I mean, if he's going to take something that he considers great and and then have it kick something he's not quite as high on's ass, then, yeah, maybe we've got a little bit of an issue here um, with how he's prioritizing things. But... When you're just looking at the character, like, I, I liked the character. I liked that scene. 
Yeah. You know, I, I am in no position to tell people they can't be offended by it, of course, but I just think there was nothing wrong with that scene in the context of the movie. Like, to take a... As ca- a fantasy. A real, well, take, <laughs> take a real-life character and turn it into a caricature. I mean, I... It, you know, that's not anything new or that's not something that's totally offended people in the past. So that that as as it stands, I think is fine. But that's me, the white guy. Well, yeah. That's, um, well, I, I think there's a lot to unpack here, but I, I mean, I do think it's funny that I just what I read this this email. I mean, I'm, I'm really appreciative that. Um, we got this email, but when I read some of the details about Bruce Lee, I, I immediately thought back to that scene when the IT guy is in the office, in the office telling yeah. him about the legend. <laughs> there's a couple other things like, yeah. like was it? I don't remember if it was in the office or some other Ricky Gervais thing where like somebody thought that that uh, there's this legend that he was so fit and healthy that he decided to take an aspirin on the day that he died and that killed him because it was his body was so unbalanced. <laughs> and there's all these like things about him and I just think I've, I've been reading about I've been hearing about how <laughs> uh, like the Hobbs and Shaw movies and the Fast and the Furious movies they like negotiate their contracts so that nobody ever loses in a fight like everybody has to win an equal amount of time so no one is better than the other guy and it's like there's just these dumb legends about these action heroes and I mean <laughs> I just think it's kind of silly but um I, I don't think. I mean, I. I, I yeah. I, so you like you don't think he actually fought stuntmen who just challenged him because they're like, oh, we're we're bored on set one day. I mean, I'm sure that Maybe happened. Maybe it happened. But like, I I I don't really. It didn't happen in Way of the Dragon. It happened yeah. in Enter the Dragon. <laughs> I don't. I don't really. I don't really. But I don't. You know, I don't really care. I also think he's like a public figure. I know he died tragically, but um, and probably before his time. But you know, he's. He's as open to criticism as anybody, and you know, I, I don't know. I I think it's funny in a world where, you know, I I guess you are maligning a single person, so that's a little different. But in a world where, you know, the actual killing of Hitler didn't happen the way it did in Inglorious Bastards, or you know, a slave revolt happened before before you know the the freeing of the slaves after the Civil War in Django Unchained. I mean. These things, I think, are altogether much more offensive than, you know, maligning one person. Um, you know, but this, I think, I guess the larger point I took away from this was that I, I and I've, I've wondered this for a while, especially after the Me Too stuff and especially Tarantino's role in all of it. And he's kind of been in it in a couple different ways. You know, I, he is not a filmmaker, I think, that is you know, conducive to this new era of standards and, um, you know, sensitivities, I think. And he's got this reputation and I, I even talking, you know, once we released this podcast, I got a couple of texts about it. Like I can't, you know, can't believe you did a movie on Tarantino. He's such a creep. And I had to, I had to be filled in why. And I think, and, 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 and to be frank, there are a couple of things, especially related to what he said about, um, Roman Polanski in relation to this, you know, events of, around this film that were kind of disturbing. And, and I'm not, I, I'm not necessarily, look, I don't, I don't, I think there's a lot of, a lot of this stuff is overhyped. And I think there's a, I think in a way I want film to be immune from a lot of these sensitivities, but I, I think well, there. Yeah. Can I just interrupt you real quick on that? Of I course. think this is maybe controversial, but I think that's part of what makes his movie so good. And I agree. That, that might sound controversial, but like, 
he he it, that all that is is noise that has nothing to do with his movie and not to downplay that by calling it noise but his movie is his movie and real life is something different and i think that's what is sort of great about his movies yeah i mean there's a bunch of stuff i want to add to this but the first thing is like i kind of after reading the email i i sort of asked my or i guess the email itself asked like why does he do this why does he like to play with history like why does he want to change stuff and it's like since the beginning of his career he's been playing with the form of cinema and trying to manipulate it as best he can and then why not take that to the next level and just manipulate what everyone knows as a sort of universal truth and play with that idea and i think that's what he gets out of doing this stuff um sort of the why to to this whole thing of 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 why he's manipulating history but as far as the like the sensitivity around it I was having the conversation today in in regards to just comedies and like how even something that seems as simple uh, or or almost seems as innocent as like The Office or Parks and Recs or 30 Rock or even Arrested Development might not be able to survive on air today. Yeah. And that absolutely. really bo- uh, and that like really really bothers me uh, like because we're not are we like never going to be able to have good com like to me the jokes on all those shows are always on the person they're never on the subject but people can't seem to wrap their minds around it and in the same thing with these Tarantino movies like you yes unless um, like i think Lee you just said it best it's like the the movie should stand on its own um and and i mean it they shouldn't just totally be forgiven of any problems but at the same time there has right. to be some sort of relaxed stance it, on all this stuff or we're gonna lose a lot of good art and a lot of good comedy in the future which is scary to me well can i can i just ask you before you change topics jeremy yeah. i mean do you do you think tarantino deserves any scrutiny and and, and i mean like throughout his entire career let's 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 put once upon a time in hollywood I don't aside think- for a second I don't know if I can say that. Like, I don't know if. Well, I'm clearly not the right person to say that. But I, I don't. I, I think you're as good as anybody to ask that question. I don't see why you have to be a right person or a wrong person. In terms of what the racism Look, part, or just I, I, I any part of it. I, I went back and I watched. Or, I've been yeah. watching Pulp Fiction, and there's the there's the Bonnie situation where Tarantino casts himself as this like sort of fast talking guy and I and I actually have a lot of affection and I think his character is very funny especially how he interacts with the Mr. Wolf uh, you know, of course Mr. Wolf and uh, you know all that is is really funny but then he starts that starts that scene by saying you know the dead n-word storage and all that stuff and n-word 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 and like he's talking to his friend Jules who's black and like I just it, it's it, at some point it's like maybe this wasn't and I I want to I, I want to step back and say you know, his character, uh, Samuel L. Jackson's character in, in Jackie Brown, you understand why he uses the N-word so much. He's a black guy. He's a gangster. This is the way he talks. It's part of a sort of a personality that he, a persona that he's exuding to the world. But I don't, there are, I don't think that that applies to that character that he plays in. No, not in, at all. In the body I, I situation. Agree. And it's I agree like, with that, but. And, and maybe yeah. things were less sensitive too, but I, 
I don't know. I, the it, jokes themselves are funny. Like it, the, on the surface, it's a funny scene and it's a well-written scene, and you get where he's coming from as far as the the timing of those jokes and and the way he's delivering it. Should he have been the one who played that character? Absolutely not. But did you need uh, the n words really? I mean, does that make him like? I, what are we supposed to draw from that? That he's a racist? What are we supposed to take away? But here's from that? here's my here's my. I think it, I don't think it is that though. I don't think it's supposed to be that he's a racist. I think it's that the way he sort of uses the rhythm of the words um, to to hit the joke harder, and. Yeah, I, I don't think, I mean, it's not necessarily the right decision, but I think that's where he was going with it. I don't think he was intentionally trying to cast this character as a racist character. I think instead he was trying to sort of get give that character a sort of rhythm in the dialogue which made those jokes work. See, my my first instinct here is, one, I don't think it's—I don't think people are worried about whether or not the character of Jimmy is racist. I think it's more—is is Tarantino a racist? And my first reaction to that is, who cares? Like, in the same way that I don't care that that Tom Brady probably voted for Donald Trump. Like, I, he's still my favorite player, and I still like the Patriots. Like, in in one sense, it's like okay, it's not really hurting anybody, you know. But it's a very thin line because you could make the argument that what what if um um Harvey Weinstein wasn't you know you know uh taking advantage of women that he worked with just it was totally outside of work like is you know how is like where is that what line no, no like what <laughs> no because I don't what's such a big fuss is he used his power yeah. with to give people jobs what if he just was just he'd still you know, be arrested i know but the but that's not what the story was about my whole point is this is there. This is having to do with Tarantino's movies. So where is the line drawn? If people are offended by Tarantino being a racist because his movies portray him as such, then maybe they, maybe they're totally in the right to stop liking Tarantino's movies. Where, uh, like I said, my my first reaction is they don't have anything to do with each other. Like, so what difference does it make? So, uh. I remembered an interview with Samuel L. Jackson where he was asked this question. Um, ironically, it happened to be on Charlie Rose, who is another <laughs> me too. Yeah, but he was asked this. He was asked, like, you know, do you think um, that Tarantino has these racist tendencies or or portrays, um, you know, people of different races in a negative light? Um, and it's worth going to watch that that clip because it, he essentially says it's impossible for him, for Tarantino to be a racist in the way that he gives all those characters, um, you know, such depth, and, you know. And I think what what he's basically saying is like he 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 gives these actors fully realized characters. I mean. Not I don't know every, if that totally lets him off the hook. <laughs> it doesn't totally let him off the hook, but he's writing. I mean, not every character is going to be good. You know what I mean? Like he's no. giving them bad characters. He's giving good characters. He's giving these, but really in depth characters. And despite the stereotypes he portrays, he he creates more to it than that. I think. And I like, think at you, if you were to ask any of or or the majority of people who work 
for Tarantino and have worked for him on any of his movies. I don't think they would. I don't. I don't think they would portray like, him like Leo or John Travolta or Brad Pitt or Christoph no, Waltz or, or Jamie Fox or no, Pam Greer or Chris, Chris Tucker. Chris Tucker. Or, uh, I don't know. I feel like he he tends to cast a lot of African Americans in his uh, movies. Sure. I mean, I I don't think that look. I don't think Quentin Tarantino is a racist. I don't. That's that was never a question in my mind. I think uh, he has a lot of reverence for black culture in a way that a lot of people don't understand. Um, but I think the question, the more important question is, and what speaks to our how we went into this with the Bruce Lee thing is like. When you decide what to depict on screen, what you decide to put on screen and what you decide to leave out, I think that was a big thing with um, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood is that you've, you know, it's it, even especially for Tarantino, it's a it's a very white movie, right? Like he usually has Samuel L. Jackson, at least in, in a role somewhere, in there, somewhere. Yeah, yeah, at least playing um, the piano in the yeah. background. Yeah. And, and uh, you know, that there was there wasn't that there, which is, you know, I, listen, I'm not I don't think you should hold that against him. Um, I think sometimes there are going to be stories where it's just white people and that, you know, I, I, those are going to exist and they shouldn't be scrutinized for, for that. If that's, you know, just be just for that one reason, I think you need to look at right. it with a little more nuance, but, um, you know, I, it's, I, I, I guess my takeaway is that I just think that, you know, you've got to, he's just, he's not someone who pulls punches. We know that. I mean, quite literally. And, and the thing, some of the see. I think compared to a lot his other films, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood was relatively tame, but you've got all these things that that happen on screen, and I think they sort of they sort of intersect with these issues that are people are talking about. And unfortunately for him, they it just leaves this bad taste in people's mouth. You know, like I don't think anybody minds seeing. Um, a, a, a man getting his ass kicked these days, but when you see a woman being, you know, torched with a with a, um, a, a, a flamethrower, or you go back to Kill Bill and you you see the sort of way that she, that woman who kind of con, you know kind of conversely is like one of the most powerful female protagonists we have, and and in in many ways is a, I would imagine a lot of girls think of as a strong you know, role model in a way, um, she is sort of beat up and, 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 you know, violence is visited upon her in a way that is almost fetishistic in some ways, you know, like it's, and, and, and I'm not criticizing him for that. I'm just, it's just a little bit, it just makes you think, you know, it, it does. But then you have, are you talking about the bride getting yeah. beat up? Yeah. Yeah. And buried alive and, and yeah. buried, but that's her. She's an assassin. Like she's See, in that world. This this to me is more that this his movie has nothing to do with anything else other than his movie. Like I agree. Like that that's I think the piece that and I get it. Like we live in a world where that doesn't really exist anymore. So sorry, QT, but <laughs> it, it, you might if unless you want the criticism or unless you're fine with the criticism, you might have to change some things, which I don't think he's gonna do. But I just I just Nor think, do we want him to? I guess that's the I other don't, question. I don't. Do we, that's what does I said. anyone like, want him to? I think it we, makes his better movies better, yeah. Do we want a tamed version of Quentin Tarantino that's worried about offending people? Because that's not gonna those aren't gonna be good movies. No, and in no way is that gonna be make anybody's movies better, I don't think. 
But you could say, no, you're right. I don't. I don't have anything. I, I'm really just kind of playing devil's advocate to this question. Right. Um. You, you know, I think you. I think he's always. I mean, he's only got one movie left, according to him. So, but he's always going to rouse people's feathers. He's always going to ruffle people's feathers. You know, and I think that's yeah. yeah. Like you said, that's why we like him. So let's move on to the second question. Um, well, can I just interject one quick thing? Yeah, like, please. Uh, Sarah and I watched Raging Bull last night. Oh. Um, <laughs> and, and she had never seen it, and I hadn't. I haven't seen it in quite another, a long time. Not a great Me Too movie. No, but that's the thing. It's like sitting there and watching it with her. You nowadays, you kind of like. You, there's a lot of abuse of women in that movie, and or abused. You mean abused women? Abused yeah. women. Yes. Uh, <laughs> Leave De Niro alone. <laughs> Stop hitting Jake Lamotta so, like that. <laughs> and it was a little bit uncomfortable to watch it nowadays, especially you know, uh, with her. And she kind of saw it as. You know, like that sort of stuck out for her. But the movie itself is such a like a dissection of jealousy and violence and all that stuff that it's it it still really, really works. But there is that distraction level of of, you know, physical violence against women where but how do you tell that how do you tell that story about jealousy and getting into the the mind of somebody who's super jealous the way that movie does and and somebody who who only knows the outlet is violence without having those scenes it's impossible right no of and, course and and, and just and, depicting and it doesn't what, mean you're it, in the wrong i don't think exactly but it's kind of, in a way it was a little bit distracting for her to see that this was more a movie about these men who who just don't do not know how to interact with women and and have these these terrible problems but it it there's a little bit of it gets distracted by how violent the movie can be especially towards women so quickly before we move on, I just want to ask you a question, Jeremy. Do you think like it's been a while since I've seen Raging Bull? So let's go to like a a film like Wolf of Wall Street because it's much more current. Like, do you think Scorsese has any responsibility to tell? I mean, what what is his what is the direction? But I think Raging Bull is the responsibility. I think Raging Bull is I agree. Him dealing with his inability to interact. Not his inability, yeah, no, and but his, his, he's an abusive his, guy. Yeah, and a, and yeah, a hateful, his world yeah. ability to interact with women. And I think it was him trying to cope with that. Not that he is that terrible of a person, but he's using Jake LaMotta as sort of a stand-in for like really getting into the mind of somebody that just has these these super jealous tendencies um, and I think it's really, really effective. And I, I went away with it still thinking it's one of the greatest movies ever made. I was blown away by it. But it, it doesn't mean that it wasn't um, a little bit tainted by watching it in today's culture. Mm. I definitely felt that. I, I, maybe I would feel different ha- having watched it alone again. But knowing Sarah was there with me, I knew that that's what she was seeing. Like she was seeing that part of it a lot more than she was seeing the whole maybe what what was trying to be portrayed here Mm. okay 
All right. So let's should, should we move on? Yeah. So I guess the next part is I think this, uh, and I I can't remember if we talked about it on the QT retrospective or not, but basically the question is about the sort of this email breaks his career into sort of two halves, which one half is Reservoir Dogs, Pulp Fiction, Jackie Brown, and Kill Bill. The other is Inglorious Bastards, Django Unchained, and Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. And he puts kind of Hateful Eight and um, Death Proof in kind of the middle, right? Sort of. Um, well, he said Hateful Eight was in the second half because it's second. more of that period piece. Death right. Proof falls in the middle. Right. Okay. So I, I would kind of agree with that, although I would I tend to I think I put Kill Bill in the second category as opposed to the first, but you know we can quibble about that. Um, but the real question is, so what do you think is wrong about? Tarantino's seemingly obs- seeming obsession with telling historical films and spe- specifically his obsession with rewriting history in f- his films. Is this a type of wish fulfillment in which an aging artist desires the ability to change the past? He could obviously tell any type of fictional story, so I'm curious myself why he's focusing so specifically on fictional stories set in the past. I think this is a great question because I, as I was watching Pulp Fiction for like the first time in years, I had this same thought, especially in, in, in relation to Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. I don't want to say that he's losing his touch in any way. Um, but like I mentioned on the podcast about Once Upon a Time, you know, I, I was frustrated by the trend that he's had in his last two films with the voiceover. And like, you take that little piece and then you take the piece where he, you know, is creating some sort of historical fiction. Like, you could make the argument that there's a lack of creativity somewhere brewing you know in his second half and look as we know from the retrospective Django Unchained is my favorite Tarantino movie so I'm not disparaging his movies totally in this second half of his career but I do wonder if maybe this is giving him a little bit of a cheat sheet in his storytelling to do this when he can just kind of throw his characters and his dialogue into essentially, you know, a historical setting and then, you know, flip the switch at the end, make a quick creative change and it becomes a Tarantino movie. Yeah. And I think he Certainly sort of simplifying it, but I know I think a cheat sheet's a good way to put it. And I hadn't really thought about it like that, but he also sort of gets off on the idea of the recognition, the recognition of telling a historical story and having the audience know oh that's not the way it went look what's happening (laughs) this time and like you get a you do get a sort of a a, i don't want to say easy um response but you do you're like that's part of the allure of doing this is like oh wow we got we um it's it's almost cathartic i think is what the word i'm looking for is like it it gives the audience a cathartic release that he knows he's going to get in telling these stories in a different way (coughs) yeah that's a good point i think i i i I hear both of you i guess what i would i think my thing is just that i i i'm i'm glad I, i love the period stuff, I think it, it's it's just a more engaging kind of uh, just all together a more engaging experience. You know, you just from like a visual and auditory point of view, you're you're you know, it's 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 different than your everyday life, right? And but I I, I think there is something about 
what he does in Pulp Fiction specifically and a little bit in Reservoir Dogs and a little bit in Jackie Brown and certainly, I guess, in, in Kill Bill, that, that there's just an originality there. There's like a I'm creating something out of thin air yeah. um, that I, 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 I felt myself missing. And, and, and I have to be honest with you guys that there, that, that stuff also annoys me too. Like, I, I mean, there's parts of Pulp Fiction that I'm just like, this is kind of exhausting, you know, having seen it a couple, you know, a bunch of times in my lifetime. It, it's not, some of those elements are, are the, the sort of Tarantinoisms are a little exhausting. And those are some of the things that are also quite original about the film. So I, I think that that's, it's, it's, it's kind of an interesting thing for me because it, I can, I, I both want to, I, I, if in fact his next movie is his last film, I'll be a little disappointed if we don't go back to the well in some ways. Um, I mean, I, I, part of me, again, we don't ever want to be prescriptive on the podcast, but part of me wanted, would like to have seen, you know, the adventures of, of Rick Dalton and, and, and Booth, you know, sort of divorced from the Sharon Tate story. You know, I, I, I don't, yeah. I don't know that those, I think that that was, those two are great characters, you know, the Django and, um, Django Freeman and, and the dentist, um, What's his name? I forget his character's name in that. But Doctor Schultz. Doctor Schultz. You know, the, like these, he's got these these great characters, these great pairings in in his films, and you know, you could argue that the 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 historical stuff kind of kind of keeps him locked into things. It kind of prohibits him a little bit. I agree. Yeah, I think I, we're all saying the same thing here. I think, I think it think does. We're all missing yeah. it. I think it does, and I think it it serves similar purposes to chapter titles. Like I think Tarantino needs like like a a, a some sort of a built in structure that we we always are crediting him and praising him for you know how original his work is and how how cleverly he puts those chapter titles in and puts them all out of order, but then it all comes back in the end and and how amazingly you know clever and unique it is that he's rewriting history but i think in the midst of all that praise we're failing to uh realize that perhaps it's just that he just needs this sort of built-in structure to help him function do you think at this point tarantino's biting from tarantino well yeah manola (laughs) dargas said that in her in her review of the hateful eight he's not even being subtle about it anymore he did it in death proof Yeah, I mean, and I think you're right. It's it's sort of getting to the point where he just he needs it. It would, it, I, mean, I would actually like to see it just a totally straight narrative from Tarantino. Yeah. Straight, I wonder what that would be straight like. Straight original narrative in order. Yeah. <laughs> original story. No, no, no nothing chap- historical. No chapters. No tra- not a book. It's a movie. <laughs> yep. yep. He couldn't do it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. De- Death proof the only one. Death proof is the only one that is he's done that. Of his worst movies, so. <laughs> no, it's interesting. Okay. All right. Thanks long for the email, email. Long response. Yeah. yeah. 